I want to share with you guys uh, about our team, about what we're doing. Um, but in reality, we're going after the nations, okay? Uh, we're going after the, the least reached people, people that never heard about Jesus. Um, and I thought that it would be helpful if we started in the Word looking at God's heart for the nations, okay? So we're actually going to go through quite a few passages. We're going to go to Genesis to Revelation. We're going to skip around, uh, and we're going to look at some... I want you to see that the nations are not a new thing. I think when God, this was part of the plan from the beginning. Uh, and so I think it would be helpful if we look at that together. Um, any of you guys are loud? Somebody in here loud? <laughs> Nobody's pointing fingers yet. Anybody loud want to uh, help me out by reading these passages? I want you to get your Bibles out and be ready uh, to turn the pages because we're going to move fairly quickly through these passages. Um, we got somebody? Okay, so can I get you to stand up and read each passage when we get to it? Okay, so the first passage we're going to be in is Genesis chapter 1. And we're just going to look at verse 28. As we read these passages, I want us to, after each one, we're going to ask the question, what is the scope, or how far, is God's plan? Okay? How far? That would be the a simple way, as Trey says, the irreducible minimum. All right? How far? We're going to ask that question after each passage that we read. Okay? So, brother, can you read verse 28? Thank you. So, we, we see the very beginning, Adam and Eve being created and given dominion over the earth, okay? So, let's ask that question, and I want you guys to, somebody to pipe up and, and give me some answers, okay? We're just going to be like a training, okay? Anybody got the answer? How far? Thank you. To the ends of the earth, Okay? All right, so we see here in the very first chapter of God's Word, the ends of the earth, okay? So let's move on down to uh, Genesis chapter 9, okay? We're going to see a similar passage here. Verse 1, I apologize, sorry. Okay, so how far? Fill the earth. Okay, thank you. Okay. All right, so let's look at the people's response to that in chapter 11, verse 4. All right, I'm sorry, bro. Go ahead. Okay, 
So God's plan is to go how far? What were the people's response? Let us, I mean, I, can, I don't think it could be any clearer. Let us not do that, right? Let's build a tower. Let's, I'm sorry. Let's build a tower. Let's come together lest we be dispersed and scattered over the earth. All right? Let's look at verse 8 and see God's response. All right. So God dispersed them how far? Over the whole earth. Okay? You catching it? All right, let's keep moving. Next chapter, chapter 12, let's look at verse 2. 2 and 3. And I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. All right. So, how far? All the families of the earth shall be blessed. Okay? All right, let's keep moving. We're going to look at Exodus chapter 19. Nineteen. All right, we're going to be in verses 5 and 6. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. All right, thank you. Okay, so how far? The ends of the earth, okay. God wanted them to be a what? A holy nation, a kingdom of priests. We like that passage as Baptists, right? Right? Okay, so let's skip over to the next chapter. All right, we're going to be in chapter 20, verse 18 through 21, and we're going to see the people's response. And when all the people saw the thunder and the flashes of lightning and the sound of the trumpet and the mountain smoking, the people were afraid and trembled, and they stood far and said to Moses, You speak to us, and we will listen, but do not let God speak to us, lest we die. Yes, sir. Moses said to the people, Do not fear, for God has come to test you, that the fear of him may be before you, that you may not sin. And the, go ahead, brother. The people stood far off while Moses drew near to the thick darkness where God was. All right, so we see God. He wanted them to be a holy nation, a kingdom of priests. He wanted them to do the work, and we see... What was the people's response? They were afraid. 
they said, let this guy do it. <laughs> right? We don't want to do that. Let, let, let this guy do it. All right? I think there's some applications here for the church, even in, in the simple ministry, right? That we, we never want to take a back seat and say, let this guy do it. That's why we're paying him, right? But we all have a hand in it, right? We are a kingdom of priests, all of us, right? If we know Jesus, okay? All right, let's keep moving. Psalm 67. Sixty-seven. The whole thing. Yeah. May God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us in us. That your way may be known on earth, your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise you. All right, so how far? Ends of the earth. We have all peoples, and we're even starting to see nations here, right? You have all nations. Twelve different times it either says the whole earth, all peoples, or all nations, just in these seven verses. Okay? So we think we're starting to see a little theme here, okay? So let's keep moving. Isaiah 49. Verse 5 and 6. Right, so that my salvation may reach how far? The ends of the earth. All right, let's keep moving. Matthew 24. Verse 14. Right. The gospel will be 
proclaimed how far? The ends of the earth and to all nations. All right. Turn to the next passage, chapter 28. Sure, you guys are familiar with this one. All right, 18 through 20. All right. Jesus said, Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. All right. Let's move just over into Acts chapter 1. We're going to be in verse 8. Right. Jesus said, You will be my witnesses where? Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. All right. So let's once again let's look at the people's response. Okay. We got seven chapters, okay, of the church staying where? In Jerusalem, right? Okay? So let's flip to chapter 8. All right? Okay? This is where the persecution came, right? Stephen is killed, right? Saul approves of his execution. All right? And then verse 4, what does it say? Okay, Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. And we have seven chapters of the church huddling up, right? Saying, no, we want to stay together. It's more comfortable like that. Right? Right? And God's saying, oh, I don't think so. Right? And now, I want to be careful here. I'm not saying that the persecution was a result of that. Persecution, I think if we're doing things right, the persecution is going to come. But in this case, God uses the persecution to get them on the move, right? Right? So let us not be like that, right? Let us not need something like that to get us moving, okay? All right, so let's keep moving. 1 Timothy 2, 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3 and 4. Good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, 
Okay, so the God desires for who to be saved? All peoples. All right, and we're, I mean, we could look at, we could look at a lot more verses, but let's move um, to the finish line. Okay, let's look at Revelation seven. Verse 9. After this, I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes, and peoples, and languages, standing before the throne, and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. Amen. All right, so we have this revelation by John. Is this a might happen or is this a promise? This is a promise. This is a fact. This is happening. John saw it, okay? And who is around the throne of Christ? Every nation, all tribes, all peoples, and all languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. Clothed in white robes. What does that mean? Right. Washed in the blood. They've repented of their sins. They've accepted Christ as their Savior. Right? So what does that tell us? The gospel will will make it. Right? But whose job is that? Whose responsibility is it? Is it just mine because you're paying my salary? All of ours, right? Matthew 28. Who believes that Matthew 28 is for them? Right? We don't want to be like Exodus 19 where we say, no, I don't think so. I'm paying you to do it, right? This is all of our job, right? So I want to ask you and I want to challenge you before we, before we get into uh, the next thing is to just evaluate. Um, you know, I could have just come up here and told you uh, that you needed to go to the nations. But I think the word speaks for itself. This was God's plan from the beginning. This is why he created us. This needs to be the number one priority in our life, that God's glory would cover the earth, that people from every tribe, tongue, and nation would worship him one day. There are places on earth that Trey and I are lived, have lived that since people have been there, have never heard of Christ. They've lived and they've died without ever hearing about Christ. And that's unacceptable, right? And I know I'm preaching to the choir here. You guys do an amazing job. But I want you to know that it starts here, okay? I know you guys. I know what it's like to live here. I had a season of a couple years when I was between being on the field and I had to put in my 50 every week right? But I had to get up at 4.30 to meet guys and to train and equip them and to disciple them. And it started there, but many of those guys 
are now in India. Right? So making disciples of the nations starts here. And it starts by it being a priority in your life here. Does that make sense? All right. So I want to take a look at our team in South Asia, okay? And a look at our vision, okay? We have a vision that we share, a vision that we teach, and a vision that we, we somewhat live by um, that keeps us on task. We've got to know where we're going. Um, and, and so let's look at Romans chapter 15. We're going to be in 18 through 23. 15, Romans chapter 15. 18 through 23. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. Through what? 23. By the power of signs and wonders, by the power of the Spirit of God, so that Jerusalem and all the way around to Illyricum. Illyricum. Yep. I have fulfilled the ministry of the gospel of Christ, and thus I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it is written, those who have never been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. All right, thank you. All right, so you've got Paul. All right, yes. Okay, you want to finish it? All right. All right. So you guys, you guys know the Bible. All right. Acts chapter 13. Beginning of Acts chapter 13, what happens? You guys remember in the church of Antioch? Good. Right? Holy Spirit sets apart Paul and Barnabas for the work. Okay? So then... From that point on, we're looking at the work, right? We got three journeys, right? Paul and Barnabas, and over time, more and more co-workers joining that work. But they're about the work, okay? And then we have here in Romans kind of a conclusion to the work, okay? So I want you guys to tell me in this passage, what are some conclusions that you see about the work? Okay, the work spread. What verse? Okay, so he has a desire to go where Christ has not been priest. 
okay? But we, let's focus on the work itself that, that essentially Paul has been doing for the past 15 years, okay? What do you see here? Yeah, okay. So Christ worked through Paul, signs and wonders, and then finish that sentence. By the power of the Holy Spirit. So that Okay. Jerusalem to Illyricum. What does it say? Ministry fulfilled? Ministry fulfilled. Anybody got a different translation? Fully preached, fully proclaimed the gospel. All right. So this is one instance where the ESV does not trump the NIV. It is, those are both right, okay? It's, it's kind of ambiguous. And I like to think of it as both, okay? The gospel was fully proclaimed, therefore the ministry was fulfilled, okay? So these are some very good metrics that we see of completion of the work, okay? All right, anything else you guys see here? Okay, so Paul has a desire to go where it's not been preached. Why does he desire to go where it hasn't been preached? Okay, yeah, he doesn't want to build on anybody else's foundation. Um, and if we look, uh, verse 23, all right, he says, But now, since I no longer have any room for work in these regions, okay? So, no more room for him to work. His, his role in the kingdom expansion in those regions was finished, okay? All right. So, can you guys see this board, okay? Um, let me use the black one. Maybe that'll help. I'm going to draw a little map here, okay? All right. Okay, so on this map here, we have Jerusalem. All right. And you're just going to have to trust me, okay? So, Illyricum is way over here. All right. All right, so Paul says that from Jerusalem all the way to Illyricum, that ministry fulfilled, gospel fully proclaimed, desires to move on, no more room for him to work there, okay? All right, I want you to, to look at this, and I want to show you that there are four, really four main regions where Paul worked, during his time 
during his three journeys. All right, we got four. We got Galatia, Asia, Macedonia, and Greece, or Achaia. Achaia is more of the region. Okay? Now, we know based on a, based on a, a census done by the Romans in 70 AD, which is really accurate because this was only written a few years before that, this book, um, that there were 60 million people in the Roman Empire, and this is roughly half of it, okay? So you're looking at 25, 25 to, to 30 million people living in this region in which he, Paul is saying the gospel is fully proclaimed, okay? And like I mentioned earlier, most likely he worked in those regions less than 15 years, okay? So this is a really huge feat that God accomplished through Paul and the disciples that he was working with, okay? So let's look even closer at what type of feat this was, okay? So let's get some more context on it by looking at Acts chapter 20. Is everybody following so far? Yeah? Okay. Let's look at Acts chapter 20. We're going to read verses 1 through 4. I can, I'll stop you. I'll stop you. I'll stop you. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. It's fine. Okay. All right. So, the <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's all right. <laughs> it's all right. Try working with guys that can barely read, reading those names in Hindi. All right. So, <laughs> all right. So, Paul is in Greece for how long? You see there, verse 3? Three? three months, okay? Now, based on who um, Paul sends his greetings from in Romans, okay? Sends them from Phoebe, which Phoebe lived in Sincrea, which is right here in Greece. Um, he also sends greetings from Erastus, the public works um, person in the city of Corinth, So Erastus was, and if you go to Corinth today, there is a plaque in the city square with the name Erastus on it. There was a public works person that built that square. Okay, so um, we all scholars agree Paul was during that three months wrote the book of Romans. Okay, so we see where Paul. We see some more context on the book of Romans. Right, we see where Paul was. So he's in here in Corinth. Okay, he's writing the book where. The book of Romans. Where is he writing it to? Rome, right? The church in Rome, okay? So Paul from Corinth is writing to Rome, which is way over here, okay? 
All right, he's saying, look, in these regions, Jerusalem to Illyricum, finished. I'm ready to move on. I want you in Rome to help me go to Spain, which is even further. Okay? Everybody following that? Yeah? Okay. All right. So Paul's in Corinth. He's writing to Rome. Now let's look at who was with Paul. Okay? So we know that there were a lot of people with Paul that were in this area, Greece, Achaia area. He sends greetings from quite a few people in the book of Romans. Okay? But here in Acts, we see some other leaders that were with him. Okay? And tell me where they were from. The first one is Sopater. Okay? Where was he from? Berea. Anybody know where Berea is? Which one of these regions was he from? Is Berea in? Anybody got it? Macedonia. Okay? All right? So we've got one guy from Macedonia. All right? What about the next one? Okay. Thessalonians, right? Son of Pyrrhus, accompanied him, and of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus. So Aristarchus and Secundus, both from Thessalonica, which is also in Macedonia, just next to Berea. Okay? All right. So how many people were with him from Macedonia? Three. All right. Let's keep moving. Gaius from? Derby. Okay. Derby is over here in Galatia. All right. Keep moving. Timothy. Anybody remember where Timothy's from? Where was Timothy from? Where did Paul run into him? He ran into him between Lystra and Derby. So most likely he, we believe he's from Lystra. Okay? So we got two, two from Galatia. Keep moving. Asians. How many from Asia? Two. All right. All right. So you guys starting to see how Paul came to these conclusions about the work? Right? We've got two guys from this region, two guys from Asia, three guys from Macedonia, and he's got a whole herd of guys that he's with in Achaia and Greece. Okay? So there's a lot of things that we can learn from this passage based on this context. We can see the importance of leader development. Uh, we see the importance of giving authority to those leaders, trusting the reports of those leaders, right? I can just kind of picture them all sitting around a round table and, all right, tell me about what's happening in Galatia. Tell me what's happening in Macedonia. Tell me about what's happening in Asia, okay? And Paul, hearing all the reports, because, guys, you know Paul didn't go to most of these villages, Right? But he's still making a bold claim saying gospel fully proclaimed, the ministry fulfilled in those areas. Most likely thousands of churches. Okay? So Paul did an amazing job of making disciples. Not only making disciples, giving them responsibility to lead. Not only doing that, but leaving them. Trusting them with the work. Okay? He said that the Gentiles were obeying word and deed in verse 19. He's talking about the same churches that we have letters about, right? You guys know anything about Corinth? They had some issues, right? Galatia, what was their issue? They forgot the gospel, okay? But we still see Paul in that apostolic role saying, 
I'm going to trust my leaders. I'm going to trust them with the Spirit of God. I'm going to trust them with the Word of God. I want to keep moving, okay? So for us, all right, and I hope for you as well, I want you to think through, okay, what is the no place left for you, okay? For us, no place left, we have give you some figures about our area. All right, we've got a state of 8 million. 8 million people. Anybody know how many people are in Hernando? 2 million? Too many? Is that it? <laughs> hey, come, come over on our side of the world. Believe me, you're not even close. All right. 20,000? Okay. So, yeah, a lot of Hernandos we got up here. Okay. We have 32 UUPGs. Okay. Does everybody know what that means? Okay. So a UUPG means we don't know of a single believer in that people group, okay? So most likely, not most likely, we're almost positive that there's no gospel witness within that people group, okay? So these are people groups that are ethnically different, maybe speak their own language, but they are culturally significant, and they are, like I said earlier, they're living and they're dying without ever hearing the name of Christ, Okay? So we have 32 of these that we're going after as a team, okay? 8 million people, about 0. Um, let's see, 0.02%, okay? 0.02 Christian, evangelical, okay? So we have a long way to go, all right? So these are our, these are, this is our target, okay? And I think it would be valuable for you guys, collectively or even individually, what is, your, what is your target, all right? What are you going after? Is it your workplace? Is it your neighborhood? Where do you want to see no place left where your job's finished there because it's been reached? I know that there's a culture here um, in the U.S. where it, it feels very reached, but believe me, it's not. There's a lot of work to be done. Um, so that's my challenge for you right now, is just to think about that. Uh, take that away and, and think about what is your no place left? What is your goal? What do you want to see happen this year? What do you want to see happen in the next five years? In uh, whatever your target is, okay? All right, so now let's look. We looked at the why, right? We spent, went through all the passages in the from Genesis to Revelation to look at why we make disciples, why we're going after the nations, right? We looked at the vision, where we want to get to, right? I want to get to a place where I say no place left in Hamacho, and I either, maybe I just come here and eat a lot of red meat. I, I would appreciate that. Um, go to some more Clemson games. Did y'all see the national championship? All right. So, um, sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All right. So let's look at the how, okay? How do we get there? So we looked at the work, all right? We looked at the, 
we started Acts 13, right? Paul and Barnabas set apart all the way to Acts 20 here, where Paul's writing the book of Romans saying, no place left for me to work. I have finished my task as the apostolic church planner, okay? So let's look at what the work is. What, is, what does that even mean, the work, okay? So let's turn to chapter 14. Verse 20 through 23. Acts chapter 14. Yeah. All right. So when the disciples gathered about him, he rose up and entered the city, and on the next day he went on with Barnabas to Derby. When they had preached the gospel to that city and had made many disciples, they returned to the field Mysterium and to Iconium and to Antioch, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in the faith, and saying that through many tribulations we must enter into the kingdom of God. And when they had appointed elders from them in every church for prayer and fasting, they committed them to the Lord in whom they believed. Twenty-three is good. Thank you. All right. So we're looking at Acts fourteen. What are some things that you see them doing? In this passage, twenty through twenty-three. How much time do I have? Ten minutes ago or ten minutes left? What do you guys see? All right. So if I was doing a training with, training with some Indians, then I'd make them give me some answers, but we don't have a whole lot of time, so I'm going to kind of speed up, okay? So in verse 20, we see him enter, right? We got to go to a new place if we're going to preach the gospel, right? Paul says, I don't want to build on anybody else's foundation. I want to go to new places, okay? What did he do after he entered? Preach the gospel, okay? So we see the gospel being shared. All right? When we share the gospel, there's only two things that can happen. They can either say no or they could say yes. If they say yes, they're a new believer, right? Now what's our job? Discipleship, okay? All right? He, verse 23, he went and appointed leaders in every church. So there were churches there, okay? So we're seeing the church formation. Right? And we're seeing leaders being selected and developed, right? All right, so we got leader development. All right, you guys see those five things? All right, and I, we could add one more that Paul did every time, which is 
exit, right? He always left, right? So these are the six things that we would call the work, right? This is the work. These are the six parts of kingdom expansion. This is what has to happen, right? And these are things that we need to be prepared for. We need to have a plan for, right? So even as Trey and I hit the field, our plan is not to just say, hey, I'm here until they dig a grave for me. We have an exit plan, right? What do we want to see happen before we exit, okay? Just like Paul had, all right? So Trey's been teaching you guys for a while now, right? And do you guys remember the four fields diagram? No? Ish. All right. So I, I want you guys to forget everything Trey said, all right? And just remember that the, the farming analogy is just a simple way to remember this, okay? That's all it is. It comes from the word. It doesn't come from somebody that was really clever, okay? So we've got this, the fields, right? Anybody remember what the first one is? First field is entry, the empty field, right? We have to enter in as we start the process of farming. How many of you guys farm? Just one, okay. <laughs> wow. I thought there would be more around here. <laughs> Everybody in India farms, so this works a lot better in India. All right, so we got an empty field, all right, and then the second field is the seeded field, right? In the word, what does the seed usually represent? The gospel or the word of God, right? So this is a field where we ask the question, how do we share? What do we share when we go, okay? All right? If people believe, then they're new believers, right? Just like new plants, all right? And you got to take care of them, right? You got to nurture them. Discipleship, right? All right, so we're knocked off three of them. All right, in India, they're growing uh, wheat right now, winter wheat, okay? When it gets, we, we call it pukka. When it becomes uh, pukka, <laughs> that's our favorite word in Hindi. But when it becomes ripe, okay, then we cut it and we bundle it, all right? So that's why we use this picture right here, like rice that's just been cut and bundled, just like gathering those new disciples together for church, all right? And then one thing that's cool about India is that you, with the seed, they do different things with the seed, okay? Some of it they sell, some of it they eat, but some of it, the best ones, go back into the field the next year, right? So we call that our leadership development, all right? Sending the best ones out, okay? So that keeps the process going, okay? That's what keeps this, this rotating, all right? So that's the simple, now you have no excuse to not know this diagram, all right? So that's the five parts. All right, we don't necessarily teach exit very much with the locals because they don't have to exit. We want to exit. We want to get back to red meat and football. But they, they need to stay where they are, okay? So these are the things that we teach, but it's also the things that we, our goals revolve around, all right, for my team, all right? Any questions? I know this is a big group, but if anybody has any questions, I'm moving kind of fast. 
But I want to walk you through our team goals so that you see where we're headed, where we want to get to as we try to face the giants here, okay? So we got all these fields. So what was the first field? Entry, okay? So for us as a team, we really want to go after controllables, okay? We can't control baptisms. We can't control churches. But we can control what we do with our time, what our leaders do with their time, what their disciples do with their time, okay? So for us, we want to target and hopefully engage 10 UUPGs per year, okay? So this is a big task. This is a task that's far beyond anything that I can do in my schedule or even in my leader's schedule. They have to cast vision to their leaders and to their churches and collectively make decisions about going after these UUPGs, okay? So that's our entry that's our entry goal. All right, what's the next field? All right, seed sowing, okay? For us as a team, we want to see 2,000 gospel shares per month. All right, so far over the past year, we've been over every, every month. Okay, so once again, this is far beyond my schedule. This is me teaching, coaching, training towards this, leading my guys in this direction, and them doing the same thing with theirs. Okay, so these are mouth-to-ear gospel shares. This is not Jesus film. This is not radio. This is actually people getting out, going into homes, and sharing the gospel. All right, next one, discipleship. All right, we want to train 2,000 people per year in these five parts of the, we call it the four fields, which is just the basic, basic discipleship package, okay? This is the beginning discipleship. So we want to train 2,000 people per year in the four fields, and this year we went over that number. We did a good job on that, okay? The next one that we probably, is probably the one that we haven't done as well, all right? We have 12 districts in our state, all right? And we want to we see healthy, multiplying churches in three new districts per year. That was our goal, all right? All right, so that it would take us roughly four years to get the, the state churches multiplying in every district. That makes sense? All right. Oh, I didn't write anything, did I? All right. Healthy church. So we also have certain things, and you guys have helped with this uh, over the past few years with 
We have a foundations package and a confessions package that we train up-and-coming leaders in, in the new churches, okay? So let's say that it's in these multiplying churches, most people are farmers or, or they have shopkeepers or things like that. We want them to stay that, okay? We want them to stay in those positions, uh, so we have to bring the training to them. We don't want to ask them to leave and go to a Bible school. We want the, thing, the movement to remain healthy and organic, and so we give them the systematic theology, which is the confessions, and we also give them basically an intro to hermeneutics or an Old Testament, New Testament survey, all packed into one package called foundations, okay? So our goal has been to train 150 leaders in those leadership development packages per year. All right? And for me and my team, all right, our exit, right, we're always planning towards exit, exit, all right? We want to see all UUPGs engaged. Now, engaged means baptized believers that have been trained Okay, that means they're, they're able to go back into their people group and sustain the movement. Okay, we want to see every people group engaged. We want to see healthy multiplying churches in all 12 districts. All right, and we want to see leaders trained in the confessions and the foundations in every district, as well as a leader that takes the ownership of all of this in each district. That, is basically the strategy coordinator of the work. All right? So I wanted you guys to see kind of where we are headed as a team, the things that we're chasing after. And um, the same thing that Trey has been working with you guys in, the same type of tools and the same type of basic discipleship, this is the same stuff that we're doing and we're teaching our guys. And um, hopefully we'll get to exit in my lifetime. Right? Um, so, I don't think that these things are limited to India, okay? I think, I think Hernando, Mississippi needs these type of things to be thought out, okay? So, um, maybe Trey would be the guy that, to sit down and talk to um, if you want to think through those things, these things for your life um, and for your area. How you can get to no place left. What are, the, what are the goals that you need to make for discipleship? What are the goals that you need to make for gospel sharing? Uh, things like that. Are, those are very important. And, and as we saw at the beginning, reaching the nations, making disciples, it's for all of us, right? We've got to keep that culture going, okay? And that just means us in our daily life, making sacrifices, going after people, being intentional with people, um, just two days ago, I, I was playing, I was at the university, at Clemson University, playing some basketball with some college students, and after the game, we're changing shoes, and I just looked over, and I said, hey, man, do you know the Lord? And he said, absolutely, and he tells me his testimony. I said, well, you know how to make disciples? He said, what? He said, <laughs> he said what? He said, I've been a believer since I was four. No one's ever asked me that. I was like, well, you want to know how? He said, sure. So, Yesterday, we met for coffee, and I just started training him. And you should have seen his eyes, right? I think, as Jesus said, the harvest is plentiful, and it's even plentiful with believers that just need some time. And so um, 
The last thing I want to challenge you guys with is uh, Jesus told us to store up treasures in heaven. Um, and I know what life is like here, and I know the things that we get carried away with. But I can't think of any better treasure than a whole line of people behind you that came to faith because of your time here. You know? I can't think of any better treasure in heaven than a big crowd of people behind me following me. Um, that's something that's going to last forever. That's eternal fruit. Um, Jesus also spoke about the talents, right? You've been entrusted with the gospel, the gospel that has the power to transform, the power to do the greatest miracle that we could see, and that's conversion, right? Taking someone from death to life, from darkness to light, right? You guys have that power, right? Is that not exciting? I mean, there's nothing more exciting than seeing that transformation take place in someone's life. But what are we, what are we doing with our time? Uh, I don't know you guys. I just got here, so I can't really call any of you out. But, <laughs> but I've been in America for two weeks now, and I am, I'm ready to get back to India because even in my time, there's so many things pulling me away from the main thing. And I know that it's probably doing that in your life, but... I think we're all going to regret it on that day. The things that we chose over eternal fruit, you know? Are we multiplying that talent, that gospel that was given to us, are we multiplying it a hundredfold? Who are we taking with us 